0: And wait
1: and wait. Let's
2: all go buy some <laughs> lottery tickets.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we were such spring oh, children at man. the time, right? My oh, God, man, day. we had so much hope, oh. so much hope, just dashed. Oh my, God. just dashed. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. So I mean, what different. more? Ki- I, what more can we say? I don't. even... I don't want to. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um. Like we've said a lot.
1: Yeah, I don't really know what else to say. <laughs> there is nothing else to say. Let's
3: just move on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Toronto Till I Die, the Toronto FC fan show. I'm Mike Newell and finally we got an end of season press conference like 20 days after the season ended. So despite what the intro said, we will actually have a lot to say on that topic. Um, But we will also get to that. Uh, We will talk about uh, the remainder of our over-under selections that we made for the 2023 season. And you continue to uh, point jokes and laugh at us as we get a lot of things wrong. Um, in terms of our preseason predictions. And of course, we will get to the burning question presented by Nextdoor. Lots to dig into, so let's jump right into it with my co-hosts, Jeffrey P. Nesker and Michael Singh. And of course, our special guest, the editor-in-chief of TFC Republic, Mr. John Molinaro. John, thanks for joining us again. Uh, You're always a welcomed and esteemed guest here. Um, I'm sure you have a lot to say about the press conference, but before we do that... Uh, I think you've been on the show before when we get into sort of like our food corner stuff. Um, I know, Jeff, you want to talk. (laughs) Food Odyssey. Yeah, Food food Odyssey. Well,
4: no, I flagged
2: this. Yeah, I flagged this listening back last week because we talked about hot dogs. We were ostensibly talking about Mike's uh, crusts off taco order, but it (laughs) it ventured into it ventured into hot dogs. And we didn't really do it justice, uh, uh, gents, because I'm just going to say it. Let's have everybody's ultimate street dog. I know we've all had street dogs before. So what's your ultimate toppings on a hot dog? All right, John, you're the guest. So
5: you will you can go first. He's going to say pineapple. <laughs> yeah, pineapple. No, I, I, I'm just a simple sort of mustard and sort of onions. And I mean, if you have chili sauce, then I'm down for that. I just, I like hot and spicy stuff like food to begin with. So mm-hmm me, mu- you give me mustard and onions and um, sort of chili sauce, then I'm good. But you're you're obviously putting
2: that on a spicy Italian sausage, right? Like if they've got yes. that on offer, you're not getting a hot dog. You know, no, I. Section. I've been known to have a hot dog every once in a while. So yeah, they're unavoidable in North America. I think you. You. you I mean, especially if you go to a Blue Jays game on Tuesdays, which
1: is. <laughs> kind of uh, do you know <laughs> who you're talking to, buddy? <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm. <laughs> Um, I th- I touched that last week, man. And just like mm-hmm. the way I like my tacos, my street meat is just mayo and barbecue sauce. Those are the two wow. that I like on on some street meat. Every time I say something about food, Mike Noel just gives me the worst look, like, worst shake of the head. I feel like I'm in trouble.
5: Mm-hmm, mm.
3: <laughs> no, I'm just very uh, I for that kind of stuff. I am particular, so don't take my word as gospel on it because I probably have weird things that people are going to look at me and be like why do you do that i am simply ketchup give me a street dog give me ketchup that uh, again we talked about this last. you're my week.
2: favorite customer in front of yeah. me in the lineup like i because yeah. most people are like me and they go for everything i'm gonna because i'm gonna tell you mine so sauerkraut absolutely absolutely if sauerkraut's on offer it's going on on the hot dog bake bacon bits absolutely <laughs> ketchup mustard mayo if it's there absolutely pickles Absolutely. And I still remember when street meat uh, in Toronto had cheese. I remember when they had cheese. And then when it was like a cheeky thing where you sort of had to like know the secret handshake, you're like, Hmm, I wonder if there's any cheese here. And then the guy would take it out because it became illegal to do it because cheese spoils really, really quickly and nobody yeah, was, really. <laughs> nobody was adhering to any, to any, you know, there, I had so many dodgy street meat dogs where I put cheese on them and then I had to scoop the cheese out because it was disgusting. And I still missed the cheese on my street meat dogs. So yeah, I, I guess I went cause I, I put more, if it's a, if it's a quantity thing, I went cause, uh, I Put the most on my head, though. Uh, i and feel like the,
3: the only that. winner of street meets uh, is the one who doesn't throw up at the end of eating it. So if you <laughs> can avoid that, we're all winners, okay? Mm. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. so there you
3: go, that's our food odyssey corner presented by nobody, just by ourselves. Uh, presented by because, me, <laughs> mm. yeah, presented by J- JPN. Yeah. Um, all right, guys, uh, let's jump into it. Friday end of season press conference, it's something we kind of you know us TFC sickos kind of look in, look forward to every year, uh, really? good, bad, or ugly, uh, in terms of how it how it goes. I think this one in this particular season has taken a bit of a different tone and maybe a different sort of narrative. I mean, it's it's a, definitely about what players and management said, but I think there's also this other narrative around the actual kind of state of the club and the media around it in terms of just where it stands in terms of, I guess, cultural relevance. Maybe that's the way to put it. Um, And and John, I would love to get your opinion on this because one, you were there. uh, One of three. The uh, meme king himself. I mean, uh, that were there. Uh, I think you snapped. No, sorry. uh, Your colleague, Neil Davidson, snapped a picture Mm -hmm. um, of yourself there. And of course, Brendan Dunlop also uh, was there as well. Maybe I just want to get your overall impression before we get into what, you know, players and, and management said, just your overall opinion, because you've been to a lot of these. So sort of what was your overall thought on on the state of the press conference?
5: Whew, where to begin? Um, yeah, it's, you know, the fact that they could only draw three reporters there the fact that you know we're in a press room and Mike is Michael has been in that room and he knows how big it is and that he knows how many sort of chairs they tend to set up for press conferences. To have more sort of empty chairs in that room than actual reporters in the room, uh, you know, in the photo, which was captured brilliantly by Neil, I think it just, go, in a lot of ways, it goes to show you the state of this team. Um, I think there is a lot of sort of frustration uh, amongst the fan base. I think there's a lot of uh, just hurt feelings. Uh, and, you know, in terms of the media sort of response, I, it didn't, I, I you know, it, it didn't terribly sort of surprise me because that's just the state of the franchise right now. We're talking about a team that hasn't has now gone three seasons without a playoff spot, um, has played some really poor football this year, I think was bedeviled by, you know, not just issues on the field, but behind the scenes this year there was played out in some, um, you know, a lot of negative ways. When you think about, you know, Federico Bernardeschi's post-match rant in Austin, um, amongst them. So, you know, it's not terribly surprising that only three people sort of showed up. Um, that's just the state of the franchise right now. There's, I would suggest that, you know, and I sort of did something on TFC Republic today. Um, there is, I think they're, they're fighting for relevance in a lot of ways. Um, I appreciate what Bill, and I asked Bill Manning, you know, specifically, do you think this is a fight for relevance, that, you, that the team has to get more relevant? He sort of downplayed that, suggesting that, you know, the fans are still engaged. They're not disinterested. And, you know, the renewal rate among season ticket holders, I think he quoted the number at 83%, which is all fair and fair and good. But, I mean, uh, I just think that, you know, this club has really slipped down the pecking order in terms of the Toronto sporting market. You know, the media doesn't really care about this team. And we saw that on 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 Friday. And, you know, Friday's sort of lack of turnout by the media, it's it's a reflection on that. And it's a whole reflection on a bunch of other things too. I think it's just, you know, the current state of sports media in this country. And, you know, soccer always kind of got the short shift. And I think even more so now because of, you know, the the, the sort of financial crunch that a lot of media organizations are under. But so it's about that too. And it's about a it's about the team not sort of reaching out to non-traditional media as well, whether it be bloggers or social media people or whatnot. And I think it's about, you know, to a certain extent, the club sort of, this is what they wanted, right? They wanted to sort of wait reporters out essentially three weeks so that they wouldn't necessarily have to face as many tough questions or, or scrutiny as, as they wanted. So it's a combination of all those things. But again, the fact that only three of us bothered to show up, I think it, it, in a large way, it just shows you how much you know the, the team has really slipped down the pecking order in, the, in this city when you think about where it once stood. Um, I just don't know how you can sort of look at what happened on, on last Friday and come away with any other sort of conclusion than that. Yeah, I mean,
1: speaking for just myself personally, I actually didn't even get an invite to the end of season oh, right Well Um, yeah, I guess, yeah,
2: Charmant. Mm. Sorry, go ahead.
1: And I guess it's par- partially just because, uh, you know, I'm not. Of no longer affiliated with, uh, once again, a non-traditional media outlet that covers the team on a daily basis. So maybe that was part of the reasoning. Obviously, down the stretch, I, was, I wasn't I was covering TFC as much because MLS is focusing not on TFC. They're focusing on teams in the playoffs and in the playoff hunt. Um, so maybe that was part of the reasoning as well. But I, I do think that there are other people that also didn't uh, get reached out to and I, I don't know if that was intentionally or not, or maybe they just thought they would have enough of, you know, media coverage through traditional media outlets, but that obviously wasn't the case. It is. It was surprising. So I guess my question, you kind of touched on it, John, do you think the three weeks in between the end of the season and the, obviously the, the presser, do you think that was intentional by the club? Like, do you think there was, there was, a method to, I guess, their madness when, when they did decide to wait three weeks before end of season presser.
5: Yeah. I I think that was definitely part of the calculus, Michael. I mean, I think, I think, as I said, I think there are other issues at play here too, but I do think, you know, to a certain extent it was about, you know, and maybe what they said in part was, you know, there, maybe there's some truth to it in terms of you know, John has only been in charge for one game, and they wanted to give a, give him a little bit more time just to get his sort of head around things. And I have to say, and I don't want to come off as though I'm defending the team here, but I mean, traditionally, they hold these events shortly after the last game of the season, and then it's a it's usually far you know after that that the sort of roster decisions with regards to who's going to have their contract option picked up and who won't comes comes takes place after the you know the year end media availability. So the fact that they delayed it and then before that announced those sort of end of contract decisions, there was a bit of an advantage for reporters such as myself because, you know, we got to ask about those decisions, right? I mean, in the past, we never would have had that opportunity because they would have happened after the press event. So I was able to ask about why did they cut ties with Victor Vasquez and, and Jason Hernandez gave a very sort of um, really interesting answer about that, just about the physical demands of, the profile of the player that they're looking to play in central midfield. So there was some sort of positive from the media perspective with regards to delaying it, but I don't think it was altruistic on their part. I don't think they said, well, we're going to wait until we make the roster decision. So then we can sort of let you guys ask anything. I do think to a large extent, I shouldn't say it to a large extent, I think to a certain extent it was about, and I think James Sharman tweeted something about that to this effect, mm-hmm. about waiting journalists out. Right. I mean, not wanting to sort of throw you know fresh meat into the ocean uh, you know with the blood and everything and just sort of because they didn't want to face the scrutiny right they don't want to face sort of the throng of tough questions that they undoubtedly would have faced and you know i think neil and i and to a lesser extent brennan dunlop you know we try to ask tough questions and try to hold them accountable oh, yeah. <laughs> but there are i do think there are strength in numbers right and you know it, it really sort of surprises me that they didn't sort of send an invite to you, Michael. And that's unfortunate because of all the, I appreciate you might not be tied to a main outlet, but you know, you had put in a lot of time over the last couple of years and that's really disappointing. That they didn't reach out to you. But as I said, I, I do think there's strength in numbers and then there's a more media there that you just sort of get the sense that, you know, they would have been more variety of questions and from different people and different perspectives that they would have had to face. And I think that was, as I said, to a certain extent, deliberate on their part. They wanted to sort of just wait us out for as long as they could, and you know, it has to say from that perspective, that it was pretty successful.
2: I mean, I I wrote to you I uh, on the day, and I said I'm I'm in awe. You know, with no one else in the room, you mm. must have caught such errant, like so much more eye contact than you wanted to, just by being the only yeah. face there, right? And when and then when I watch back the the edited clips you know everybody was making eye contact with you whether you would ask the question or not so it mm. must have been excruciating absolutely uh uh excruciating um uh mikey uh, you said you jmo's been to a lot of these i have a question have you missed one ever of these uh end of season locker cleanouts over the years T- you ever missed since
1: one
5: i since I've been on No the no J-J-Mo,
1: JMO, oh,
2: JMO
5: Oh, sorry. Uh well, yeah, I would have missed 2019 because as you'll recall, that was the year I was sort of um downsized at Sportsnet. Right,
2: right, right, of course. And yeah. that was midway yeah.
5: through the season, so I didn't uh, cover that one. I don't believe there was one for 2020 just because of COVID. Um mm, I am I'll stand corrected if if there was one. It might have been virtually. Okay. Um, but no, I mean, since that was really the only one I missed, and that was through no, no fault of my own, really. So yeah, yeah, exactly. You, like dating back to two thousand and seven. I mean, I don't know what happened in twenty nineteen, but like this was the lowest attended, obviously, year and media availability of all time to have only three people. And really, and 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 this isn't a a dig at Brendan because he he showed up. Mm. It's just that he showed up a little bit late. I think he missed yes. the first. I want to say 10 or 20 minutes. So he missed Bernardesky and maybe Insigne, if I remember correctly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. They were both under 10 minutes. So that, yeah. That so,
5: I mean, and then he did show up and then he sort of participated, but I mean, it was, like I said, three people, I mean, crickets it's and tough. tumbleweeds. It's, yeah. It's exactly. tough
1: to being a reporter yeah. in that position. Like sometimes there are pauses and gaps that you are thinking of a, a question and right. you know, you just, when there's more people in the room, you don't have to be on the spot as much. So you know, you're not vamping. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is a little tougher. And another thing I want to like emphasize like for whatever reason these weren't streamed either. I'm shocked at the Mm. fact that they weren't streamed. Are you? I'm I am because the club has done that for the past couple of years. So you couple that with the lack of reporters actually in the room, and it does scream to the point that this the team really didn't want as want to do this eyes on this Mm -hmm. on this event, which I
5: think is disappointing in its own right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm surprised they, from what I understand, and maybe Jeffrey can speak to this more than I can. I I think mm-hmm. they uploaded video afterwards of all the yeah uh, yeah, yeah,
2: and and I immediately defended it. Um, okay. you know, somebody was saying, "Uh, why can't we see the unedited video?" And I I honestly did I made a boo boo because I took unedited video, and I said, "Um, well, we never see unedited video." But what the person meant was the live stream, right? Because unedited video is dead right. air and you're staring at an empty seat for 20 minutes while they figure out technical difficulties with that, this Zoom and that connection kind of thing. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I I wasn't surprised. Just just to tie a bow in it, I was not surprised. They, they wanted that broadcast that five second delay, so to speak, to insulate themselves, to cut something that, yeah. that, pro, you know, ostensibly took out some of the really incendiary stuff that they may be expected. You know, the, the whole thesis of this, of this end of season presser is flawed. So to expect it to be delivered warts and all, uh, I just, they're, they're, the two poles will never meet, you know? Yeah. yeah. Last question
3: for you guys on this sort of topic, and then we'll get into sort of what was actually said from, um, mm players and management that showed up and and this is both for for john and and mike just from a media perspective john you talked about the frustration of fans you've been on our show we've talked about this for quite some time now i wonder if some of that frustration is felt in the media as well and not missing necessarily because of team play but in a sense how maybe the team has gone about providing access to certain players or, or think maybe that is true maybe that is a narrative I'm making I just I wanted to get that because I wonder if that frustration is Mm -hmm. felt by media and that maybe plays into a little bit of the attendance that we saw at the press conference
5: oh I'm sure that does I mean I I I don't have a doubt that sort of and again I don't want to sort of portray the organization as anti-media and that Mm -hmm. they've sort of you know actively conspiring against us but I do think there are some things that they could do a lot better in terms of just the way that they've um sort of dealt with us in terms of on a day-to-day basis in terms of just access uh, you know with regards to issues of access could I think it'd be definitely a little bit improved and I do think you know just talking to to some reporters we uh, call it friends of mine and I don't want to sort of name anyone in mm-hmm. specific but yeah. they've mentioned that Michael that there is some sort of um malaise some sort of pushback about well you know why should we go the extra mile to do this when, you know, essentially we get crapped on. Uh, so I do, yeah. think there, I do think there is that sort of element of that. You know, look, I've been frustrated at times this year. I mean, the fact that, you know, and I and I don't want to, I hate to bring this up only because he's not sort of all no longer with the team and he can't really defend himself. But the fact that we went from April essentially until October to hear from Michael Bradley, um, mm-hmm. you know, really unacceptable. <laughs> I mean, in a lot of different ways. Um, yeah. And I, I get that, that you know, he was going through a whole different thing with, you know, the injuries and no doubt dealing with, you know, emotions concerning his father and everything. So, I, so I get all that, but every time, and believe me, myself and others, and I'm sure Michael as well, you know, we were pushing to sort of speak to him like regularly throughout sort of that sort of time frame, And there was just a constant sort of pushback or, well, we'll talk to him and we'll see if he wants to say anything or And there was nothing sort of done. It was, it was really only until, I forget the Philadelphia game, which would have been late October, where I like mm. after, I really pushed to talk to him and, you know, was able to get him. And then we got him again for his final press conference, uh, you know, yeah. before the season finale. But yeah, I think that there were issues out throughout the entire year that I think sort of certainly led to that. And I'm sure Michael can sort of speak to a lot of the stuff that I went through as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I guess, I guess one of the things that I'll add is it does kind of speak to the state of the team because in, in a way, like, their communication seemed like they're put in a hard position because right. are you really going to feel comfortable rolling out Federico Bernardeschi after his post game rant at Austin? Uh, the rest of the season, really, are you going to feel comfortable with Lorenzo Insigne with everything that's going on uh, with all the reports about him? You know, maybe maybe it would have been better for them to come out and address those issues. But then you also have to realize that do they want to address the issues? Mm-hmm right? It's not like the team has all the say and all the control, and I think that's a big part of this is that those Italians specifically, you know, they had a lot of the control. They were controlling a lot of their own narrative behind the scenes as well, so yeah, it's a tough spot, but to have the Michael Bradley, to have Lorenzo Insigne, to have Federico Bernardeschi barely, barely speak to media throughout the course of the season, and they're supposed to be referred to as leaders within that dressing room. Uh, I think that speaks volumes to the overall state of, of the team and the club and, as a whole. It it I mean, I'm getting hives here
2: because it's just so adversarial. You know, the expectation that people aren't going to speculate. Like, do you want media attention on, on the team? Because, like, if we were to judge this in objectivity by just moves alone, it suggests absolutely not. Absolutely not. We, you know, we want like this, this idea that a front facing organization has any ability to control their own narrative is such a flawed premise. And we're seeing it manifest like crazy. It doesn't you don't get the decision. I mean, why are they having board meetings about whether this or that should happen? People are going to spin their wheels regardless. So you put Lorenzo out there, for example. And he says stuff, and people are going to write about it and, and speculate. You don't put him out there, people are going to write what they want and speculate. You don't put him out there for six months, you're opening the floodgates for subscription-based sort of attack journalism, and I'm not I'm not pointing fingers at The Athletic because they do so much more than that, but they're, you're, you're opening the floodgates for this and these people are getting paid to see this coming over the horizon. And not only do they not does it appear that they're not seeing it, they're actively contributing to their own malaise here, right? Like it's just it's it's it the everything has causality and it's so easy to see from where I'm sitting, granted, from where I'm sitting on my soapbox right now, but it it's just it's mind boggling and it's and it's getting downright adversarial. And and I don't like, you know what I mean? It's like what you know it's it's starting to feel like a record store you know where you go up with your with your money and you're like i i want this new uh 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 pavement lp you know like the ultimate record store in the 90s and the clerk's like well well, you know you don't even like pavement like you know can you name their first uh their first three uh uh, seven inch singles and it's like do you want my money or not because at this point you ain't getting it and i ain't never coming back here and it's starting to feel like that exchange it's like well why do you want to talk to michael well, I don't know because uh, I covered the team, and and he's the talisman, and we've heard nothing. And his dad was sacked. It's like, why wouldn't I want to talk to Michael? I mean, everybody and their mother wants to talk to Michael right now, you know. And I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to this because I think it's a good segue. Like, and as part of our burning question, you know, there were so many answers that were not just unsatisfactory in this press conference, but actively insulted my intelligence. Like, I am so sick. I am so sick of hearing the answer. We love our fans. They're so sophisticated. You know, they understand the game so well, et cetera, et cetera. Squirrel, right? Like, you can't open the dialogue by saying, you guys are amazing and smart, and then segue in the same sentence, usually in the same breath, with this absolutely illogical concept that makes no sense. You know, I'm talking about, yeah, we didn't do the thing for three weeks because, Herdman needed more time. How much time does this guy need? Seriously, he's had all the time in the world. We signed him, and then for a month he did nothing until, uh, 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 you know, until he, he coached one game. And he needs more time to assess the roster. Does that 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 actually doesn't fill me with confidence anymore? It makes me feel like the inmates are running the asylum. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's not it's not a good answer. It's not a satisfactory answer especially when it's coupled with you guys are so smart by the way we're gonna completely gaslight you now you know it's it's getting it's getting so tired and it and and it's it's hard it's hard to take it. it I mean it's impossible to take it at face value but it's hard not to get angry now
3: yeah I don't know if I I, I necessarily felt the same way I get where you're coming from for sure um, I really do think that <laughs> in their minds it was about giving John Herdman, time with the roster without having to deal with the press. Mm -hmm. I also do agree with the point that it's about trying to kind of limit the amount of hard questions they were going to get at this press conference. Cause I think if you do it right after the season, I think you have more press show up and I think you have more hard questions. Um, So I think it's a little bit of both and getting into the theme of like, you know, look what people said at the press conference. I think one of the things that we have been talking about all season, it was a theme was this idea of connectedness within the team. And -hmm. I think this also maybe speaks a bit to both in the locker room and maybe a little bit outside the locker room as well, in terms of just Mm -hmm. how fans have been connecting with the team and things like that. It doesn't feel like everybody right now is connected. Um, And uh, a lot of people said this, right? Almost everybody at some point in their answers said this, so we could clip, a million different <laughs> sort of responses, the same thing. But That's Jonathan cue, Osorio, it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it is. Uh, Jonathan Osorio mm-hmm. did talk a bit about this. So we do have that uh, queued up. And then I want to get some reactions in, in regards to this. So uh, yeah, Jeff, when, when you got a the sec there.
0: Sean uh, was in here before you and uh,
5: was asked about team chemistry. And he said the team was not as together as it should be. Obviously, chemistry is a, is a hard thing to put your finger on. But can you give us a sense of what the, what the problem was behind the scenes? was it uh, people who didn't get on together? Was it players who didn't get on with coaches? can you give us uh, without you know revealing what's behind the closed doors?
0: just give us a sense of, of why there was such turmoil:
4: Yeah, I, I appreciate how you worded that, that question by the way, but um, yeah, what I'll say is it, it was a lot of things, but it, it was a lot of factors. Um, I would say in the beginning the chemistry was was there. We all we're all you know we're all very optimistic going going into the season really. And then when when certain results kind of we let certain results slip, we're getting a lot of draws and then the injuries come, and then we're not getting results or the results that we expect <coughs> to get. Um, then that's when it becomes difficult. And what I think uh, where you know we all went wrong. Was that um, I think now when the outside starts to question who's you know trying to find what's the matter or what's the who's at fault and 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 so they start trying to get to the bottom of it and point fingers. Um, I think instead of being together, it kind of it divided us in that moment and. Um, yeah we just didn't do a good job of, of of keeping it together keeping um like you said you know in a club in a in a family you know families go through things but there's some things that have to stay in house that have to stay in the family i understand that the um, you know you as the media and fans as as fans they want to know exactly what's going on but at the same time you know this we're we're a working family here and it's a family we can't we can't let everything just go out into the public like that right and i think that's what these strong families do uh they're able to work those things in house and i think when when we weren't able to 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 do that that's that's when it became very difficult and so i think that's that's what i can say to that
2: I yes, was waiting for one of you to private message me like how long is this damn clip but <laughs> yeah, like no it's
3: all good that's, it's all good that was the I, time code you gave that was the answer and I think we wanted the full context of the answer because there's a lot in there what Jonathan says both overtly and, and not so overtly um but the biggest thing there is this idea that a lot of that information as you mentioned <laughs> Jeff got out to the public and I think that's Mm-hmm. kind of festered throughout the season. I think Jonathan Osorio kind of summed that up there. John, obviously that um, was asked by your colleague, Neil Davidson, but what were your sort of impressions on sort of uh, Oso's comment there and, and sort of this idea and this theme that was going throughout the press conference of connectivity within the team?
5: Yeah, I, 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 you know, and it's, it's something that he sort of hinted at before about, you know, the lack of sort of unity, you um, you know, at the club right now, uh, you know, earlier on in the season. So I wasn't terribly surprised by what he said. And, and I get his point about, you know, that, you know, that they look at themselves as a family and that sometimes family have issues, but that doesn't mean everything should be for public consumption. Um, So I get that. And at the same time, he sort of appreciates, you know, you know, where I'm coming from, from a media perspective and that, you know, I I, want to get that information out because it better informs fans. So, Mm -hmm. um, so but and I think so I think you know I respect where he's coming from, and I think he sort of respects our view as well so but it was good that he said that. I think you know really the what and I not that I'd want to downplay Jonathan's sort of statement, but for me it was it was Sean Johnson who really kind of was the eye opener like before before mm-hmm. came out, you know Johnson came out and when we saw his name on the schedule, I have to be honest, I was come kind of, I was kind of like, oh God, like Sean Johnson because. Nothing. No disrespect to him. Just he he was he was a very tough nut to crack this year in terms of <laughs> yeah year. really bad. Yeah. yeah. Michael's grinning because he knows, um, you know, he doesn't sort of give a lot of way a lot of way. And so when I saw his name that he was scheduled to speak, I was just like, oh, let's just get this over with because I didn't want hmm. to do it. But I have to say, he was really really open and very poignant and very sort of articulate. He's always been articulate. And I asked him point blank, because I said, you know, you've been in other locker rooms, you're a veteran of the league. I mean, how do you compare this group to other groups? And I said, and I asked him point blank, I said, was this a unified team? And he says, no, this is not a unified group, to be honest, We, we could have been closer. And ultimately, he sort of he took part responsibility of that. And he said, there's been discussions about since then about, you know, moving on and how do they sort of become a unified team. But the fact that he sort of answered that, you know, unflinchingly honest, you know, he did not hesitate. He said, no, we haven't, we're not unified at all. Um, that was something I wasn't necessarily expecting from him, but I think it just sort of spoke to, I think the players know that they can't sort of gaslight sort of fans and media anymore, right? They can't sort of like just pretend that everything is, is all right, that, they, you know, that we're smart to them, fans are smart to them. We know that there were issues behind the scenes, so there was no point in sort of, you know, trying to pull the wool over our eyes or sort of gaslight us anymore. So I I really do respect the sort of honesty and the unflinching sort of just perspective that both Jonathan and Sean Johnson provided on the day.
2: I've got my tinfoil hat. I mean, I don't have one here to put on, but it's interesting that you say that your first flush to Sean Johnson being announced was... Oh boy, let's just get it over with. Right. (laughs) They had they had three weeks to prep. Do you not think that they saw in Sean Johnson and that sort of reputation that he's maybe engendered and you know what's underneath their own eyes, saw it as an opportunity if this guy goes and I mean he was out first. This guy can go out, you know, deliver his Sean Johnsonisms, and as long as we've circled our wagons and got the talking points straight. You know, we'll concede that the locker room wasn't together because we can't we can't control that anymore. But that's that that surface level admission is all you're gonna get. You know, yeah, it wasn't together. You know, I would have liked to see it more. It's it's obfuscation, you know. Unfortunately, I'm too cynical now, so I can't help but see it as manufactured because this this team is is doing backflips to try and avoid the very eventualities that they end up creating for themselves often. Uh, So I just don't trust it anymore. And and that was fuel for my fire. I did not.
3: I hear you, Jeff. I didn't read it that way. I actually read it as somebody they trust as a leader within the locker room. And, and generally i think that's why i think he was the first player out was he not john he, he, yeah, he was he, he was, was well, no, cuz they had the dp's out first yeah, right he was oh yeah yeah i forgot yeah. about yeah.
2: them. yeah yeah, yeah. But,
3: but yeah i know that. they had the dp's out first mm. um mm. but uh i think that you know you bring out Sean johnson in those moments look you have to bring the dp's out they are the dp's so not surprising they go first But I do think you bring out Sean Johnson in that position, kind of as a leader within the locker room. And look, he's been a captain at other clubs. I think he's been a captain at every MLS club he's been at some point in his career, right? Whether it's Chicago or NYCFC, he's eventually ended up being captain. But uh, I yeah. and I wouldn't be shocked if he. I know a lot of people are pushing for Oso to be captain here, long tenure, hometown guy. I wouldn't be super surprised if Sean Johnson comes out and ends up being captain next season. Oh, um,
5: well, I'd be super surprised if he's here not saying
3: next it's gonna happen. I'm not saying it's gonna happen. I just think let me say it this:
1: yeah, if anybody aside from Jonathan Osorio is named captain of Toronto FC next season, they got that ridiculously wrong oh, i'm jonathan not saying Osorio it's the right thing i'm, not not saying right thing. I'm just saying i toronto wouldn't be surprised
3: FC. i wouldn't be surprised if it happened
1: if This I would is the easiest this is the easiest layup the club has maybe ever gotten jonathan ozuri is the next captain of toronto fc if they blow that layup i'll be jaw dropped would you uh, there's no draw the left or drop lately.
2: on my end yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so Guys, they're, they're, they're like? going to make Raul Petretta captain, and it's it's that's what <laughs> I'm just, yeah.
3: well. I'm just saying, like you know, considering some of the decisions the club has made over the last couple of seasons, would you
1: actually be that shocked that they blew that layup? You know what? The one thing I'll say about the club is they've always treated Jonathan Azorio well here at, in Toronto. So I don't. I think they understand his significance. And there's still time to mess it up. His value, <laughs> um, and I think they've seen the way that it's played out with some of the other legends here at the club. I do not think they want to mess up hmm. Jonathan Osorio's relationship and right. legacy here. Yeah. I hope you right. will. And, and,
5: it. I, and Michael, I, t- I take your point about um, yeah, how you wouldn't be surprised if it was Sean Johnson. Although I think everyone understands it's going to be Osorio. I get what you're saying, and, and I agree. I do think you know there is something there about his sort of leadership and just the way he carries himself. Um, you know, I think TFC could sort of certainly benefit from having someone out like that out front. So I, I completely get what you're saying. And maybe if not for the fact that Osorio was on the team, that he probably would be the next captain. But mm-hmm. I agree with, with Mr. Singh. I just don't see how, you know, get, naming one than Osorio, I think, would be just a spectacularly, uh, you know, example of them tripping over themselves unnecessarily. No. Yeah, Bill Manning's
2: lacing up the boots. He's He's um. the new captain
1: yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, no sean johnson's a terrific voice in the lock and that speaks to like the fact that you're even putting that out there does speak to just how important of a leader and how good of a leader sean johnson is i mean like john said if ozo wasn't on the team i would have no issue with him being the next captain mm-hmm. of toronto fc but on that,
2: one yeah, year the, left of his deal and and I essentially for, halfway
1: out the yeah, door. yeah 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 he's, he's a fantastic leader
3: yeah, no, mm-hmm. I agree. And like, again, like I said, he's been a captain everywhere. Like he came from NYCFC as captain um, of that club. Yeah, who else so... has been a
2: captain everywhere? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, true. But <laughs> let's not. Mm-hmm. Let's Voldemort.
3: Not yet. Mm-hmm. Not yet. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, all right. We have another clip here. Uh, talk. Uh, John Herdman talked a little bit. Um, we well, talked about a lot of things, obviously, in his first 40 odd day, 41 days by the time he, we did that press mm-hmm. conference. Needs um, more time. It all well, that. he's going to get all uh, he's going to get a bit more time. Uh, but mm. he talked a little bit about the needs of the club, what he thinks the club needs uh, going into 2024 and going into this off season. So let's play that clip and uh, talk about that. Sure.
5: When you triage the situation in terms of the roster specifically, what do you see as the biggest need this offseason?
0: I'm going to say that the first thing is it's difficult to judge this group of men given the context. And you could say they created the context because of lack of quality. Um, you know, I've seen players shift in a 20 day period. There's, there's been an absolute shift in, in some individuals. Uh, players that were low on confidence, they're, they're feeling more like themselves and we're evolving. Uh the tactical blueprint is evolving some players in positions they've not been asked to play before and we're seeing, you know, maybe a player who was a centre back in a in a back four and playing as a it's a two centre back system and a three centre back system. They look different, very different. Um, some of the principles we've asked, which is um a lower-intensity build-up player gives more think-time to players that may have had to play a higher-intensity game in terms of their attacking build-up style. So you see things differently there. And, and then with the wing-backs, it's been really interesting, been really impressed with uh, Jaquiel Marshall-Ruddy, really impressed with how he's handled this, this period of time. And in the wing-back profile, you know, shown that he can cross with his left foot and his left foot is absolutely at that next level from what we've seen. And he's stayed behind every training with Alex Dodgson, the, the positional coach, working on that wing back role. So he'd be a prime example of, you know, maybe a player that was playing under capacity. And you would say, that wing back position would be a big area we'd have to invest in. You know, we're seeing a shift.
3: No, because I mute myself. Uh, John Herdman talking about uh, the needs of Toronto FC next season, and he look the emphasis was on wingbacks there, but obviously Jeff, you might be getting your wish to three five two or some variation of it. Looks like it's coming back uh, next season for TFC. Um, and, and interesting because last couple of weeks we've talked about Jaqueel Marshall Ruddy. Where does he fit within this club? Weeks. What is his best role <laughs> exactly? And I was screaming and right for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there you go. John Herdman talked about him as a wing back, both on the left and on the right um, side. Again, guys, just to get your thoughts, just in terms of, okay, we clearly will have a tactical identity. We clearly are going to play 3 5 2 or some version of it. Ideally, what do you think this club needs to, to invest in in terms of positions in the offseason, whether it be through free agency, through the draft? You know, other other means to to get a hold of uh, the players that they need.
1: Also, I, I think just to reiterate, kind of what John Herman was saying is that we have been so stuck and so accustomed to seeing Toronto FC play in a four three three, and there are times where certain players don't really fit that formation. So when you shift it to a three five two or three four three, whatever variation. You want to say, look, moving forward, mm-hmm. there are times where players can suddenly look a lot better. Um, for example, just off the top of my head, this is just me spitballing. This may not be the case because of his price tag, but a guy like Raul Petretta, I think we can all agree he didn't really reach his potential last season. Um, he was obviously playing, for the m- most part, at left back in a four-three-three. What if he were to play as a left-sided center back? what if we was going to have that Kamal Miller kind of revelation where he goes from a fullback to more of a, you know, a a center back in a back three, uh, one of those outside center backs. Is that something where now all of a sudden, Hey, this guy looks like he could be a potential player. So before we can really dive in and answer, you know, kind of that question, because the the reality of the question is all of the above. They literally, Mm. you look at the roster, you look at the quality of players on their roster they need to upgrade every position except for maybe goalkeeper. But even so, like, you can question: Could they get a backup, a better backup goalkeeper than Luca Gavran? Maybe they want to just invest in him, given that opportunity. But I, I think all around, they need upgrades everywhere. I, again, the obvious one is probably striker because they haven't really had a striker, but maybe a two striker system. All of a sudden you see Cassius Mayula and Prince Owosu, or you see Federico Bernardeschi potentially slide up there and, and play in that, you know, in a three, five, two, and all of a sudden they click. So <clears throat> there could be players that are on this roster that I think may remain on this roster, despite not having the best season last season.
2: They have to, I mean, that's a, that's a foregone conclusion guys. Um, I think, you know we need to keep JMR at this club for the specific reason that every coach that comes in and there's been a lot of them in the last little while can come to the can come to the realization that that he may be good as a wing back. I think that that's a tradition we need to keep for for as long as possible because how many times have we heard that that from an incoming coach well, you know he seems wing to back be is the,
1: was different than fullback. Because he played as a fullback. He never really played as a wing back. So that comes with. I mangled the
2: joke, but it was funny in my head. I (laughs) I mean, look, it it just
3: means he'll have -hmm. have a little less defensive responsibility um, at times. But it was interesting because the reason I asked the question the way I asked it was because, and, and again, we didn't play the clip because we could play, again, we could play like. We can just play whole interviews um, and, mm-hmm. and get uh, and get answers. But uh, Jason Hernandez also spoke and and spoke about the realities of the the existing contracts that will be on the books for 2024, um, and the fact that although yes, do we need upgrades at almost every position? Yes, can we realistically do that with the position that we're in with the contracts? It might be tougher, right? Because a lot of those guys again are under contract, but also you know, if you want to move off from some of these guys, you're going to have to find dance partners somewhere, whether it's in the league or outside of the league and how many of these guys really have value to somebody. Right. Um, so there might be a situation where you're dancing with a lot of the same dance partners you had this season and trying to see if they can fit in this new formation. I wonder John, if you sort of got the same kind of vibe from, from John Herdman, uh, and from Jason Hernandez in their comments.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, when you look at it, I mean, there are 21 players, 21 on a last place team who scored 26 goals, I think, gave up 59 this year, 21 guys who are contractually obligated, guaranteed for next year. And it could be 23 if Kosey Thompson comes back from loan, yeah. if Ame uh renegotiated his deal. So, and mm-hmm. just put that number in perspective, MLS roster limits are 30 players. So, 23 guys on a last place team who are, you know, essentially coming back, coming back, you know, that's a lot of heavy lifting to do off of one. You you got to move a lot of those contracts off and you only can buy up one player and get the associated salary cap relief. You can move players on trade or transfers or loan deals, but I think it's going to be really difficult just because of, you know, the state of the club. I mean, how willing are MLS clubs want to pick off guys from Toronto Um, you know, I suspect that there's going to be trades and loans and other deals here where you know TFC is going to have to eat some of that contract, like be responsible for a portion of their salary, much like with Jesus Jimenez as part of the Brandon Servania deal earlier this year. Mm -hmm. But it's tough. I mean, they like, as you said, they've got like, I think, upgrade pretty much everywhere, and they don't really have the, the flexibility to do it. I mean. You know, nine attacking players under contract, essentially, next year. Nine for a team that scored 26 goals. That's just poor roster construction, in my view. I mean, to go that heavy with that sort of number of players. And I don't think enough people are talking about, you know, the major uh, major upgrades that they need at the center back position. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I think Ahmed Mabika had a strong start to his career at TFC, but then quickly fell off a cliff. Yep, um, yep. Not convinced that Shane O'Neill can come anywhere close to what he once was. Uh, you've not hedges sort of got out of town pretty quickly, just as soon as he Sigurd came. Roasted. You need, yeah, Sigurd roasted. I think there were flashes, but I mean, I think there was gross inconsistency throughout the year. They have to mm-hmm. go out and they have to find their next Drew Moore. And I think really they have yep. to find two of them. Yeah, I don't think one will do. I think they really have to go out and get two two Drew Moores to sort of two defensive quarterbacks who can really kind of guide this team forward. Hmm. Uh, and that's, that's a, that's a big ask. It's a very big ask for a team. Big ask. The TFC is huge. Ask. So I'm not sure that I'm sure Jason has you know said all the right things and he's going to sort of work all the levers and try to move guys on. But, you know, I, I think we might be having sort of discussions next summer about, you know, still talking about the need for them to move players on because I don't think I, realistically i don't think you can you can get it all done in one sort of off season
0: no
1: i think you hit on something really important there um and it's the fact that tfc players don't have much value right now when right. you're trying to move on from some of these contracts so some so some people might think oh you know just just sell i'm just gonna throw a name out there that i'm not saying this person deserves to be sold or not but let's say just sell Sigurd roasted mm mm-hmm. You gotta find a dance cool. Do you want to buy to, him? Yeah, yeah, it's sold. sell sold. You know Yeah. Sell mm-hmm. Lorenzo Insigne. Oh, you gotta find someone that's gonna be willing to pick up the tab for Lorenzo Insigne. Like it's this is mm-hmm. how it works. And right be now. willing and, to
2: get washed because even, it's a bad deal, and you're gonna lose money if you're TFC. That's and even
1: within MLS, that. you gotta if you want to trade a, a player within MLS, you gotta find someone that's gonna be willing to give up something to get that player, or even just take on that player without. You know, maybe they have to attach some GAM to, to get rid of a contract, but this is the reality that they're stuck in. And yeah, just poor overall roster construction up to this point. I think there's is way too many guaranteed contracts. It, it seemed like the team really thought, and of course they're preparing for 2026 because that's how their the DP contracts are structured. So they're trying to build mm-hmm. and establish a core around that, but that core imploded and, and did not work. So Jason Hernandez, I mean, credit to him. He has found ways to be creative so far. You think of Matt Hedges, you think of Iowa Canola deals that maybe some people thought wouldn't be able to get done, but Mark anthony yeah. K managed to get deals done. So Jason Hernandez is going to have to be really creative this offseason if he wants to create further flexibility. They do have cap space. They do have a decent amount of cap space from my understanding, but... Yeah, it won't be a complete overhaul of the roster like we've seen, I think, the past two
5: seasons, in my opinion. Sorry, sorry, if if I just want to sort of follow up on what Michael said, like, I don't want to portray that I have complete faith in in Jason Hernandez because I I do have Mm. questions there, but he is a bright guy. Uh, and I know he, he'll get a lot of flack because he was working under Bob and he was the assistant GM and people sort of question, you know, where his responsibility is and all this. But he is, he's been around the league a long time. He really is kind of like a student of the CBA and all the levers and everything. And like, you know, anytime I have, uh, I kind of consider myself a bit of a CBA or a, a MLS rules walk myself, but there are times I get tripped up and, I, and I'll ask him and it's just like, he knows the answer off the top of his head. So he knows mm-hmm. the ins and outs of it. So I think, you know, he will absolutely knows which levers to push and he can kind of get creative. I think it's just a matter of, you know, as as, as I've said and as Michael said, I'm not sure that a lot of these TFC players have value to other teams, whether it's in MLS or, or outside of the league. So he's going to have to really, he's got his work really cut out for himself. And I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd add Sean
1: of... Rubio into that too. Yeah, absolutely. He's yeah. yeah. really
5: savvy when it comes to MLS uh, rules and
1: mechanisms.
2: Yeah,
3: and,
1: and yeah,
2: but I there's think, only you know, so the, much lipstick you can put on a pig. Well,
1: you know what uh, I
3: mean, yeah, and I was gonna kind of cu- get to that because a lot of people, a lot of fans in the comments, are like, "Hey, send your young players to CPL teams and things like." That. Like, if you're trying to loan these guys to CPL teams, you're probably eating the entire contract. Like, you are paying yeah. the majority of their contract because most of CPL so, clubs, yeah. On a weekly basis, are not going to be able to handle those wages, right? So, I mean, great, okay, you move the player off, but do you get any cap relief for that? Like, there's going to be a lot of considerations here in terms of how you're moving players on and how much flexibility you're going to create. And we didn't clip it, but one of the things they're going to have to figure out is: is Jonathan Osorio going to be a DP next year, right? right. Like, he's technically a DP right now can you find levers to get him off DP and you're going to have to use a lot of Tam to buy him down? Is that the most Mm -hmm. effective thing to be doing right now? So there's a lot of sort of tactical questions that this club's going to have to kind of figure out with, you know, bringing in players, bring, you know, sending players out the door before we see the final roster construction. Um, But a lot of the players that we've kind of been pointing some fingers at, or at least asking some questions about are going to be back next year. And this leads into sort of the final clip that we have um, and the question that a lot of you have been asking in the comments here. I've been sort of keeping an eye on what you've been saying live, but are the DPs coming back, right? That's kudos.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
3: that's what I love the way
2: I love the way JMO asked this question. It's fantastic. Yeah. So
3: we'll play the clip and then we'll go. So this is of Lorenzo uh, Insigne talking about uh, his desire to be here.
5: Do you want to be here? Do you want to be part of the solution going forward? Because there's been sort of links to you, reports of you going back. Want to go back to Italy? Do you want to be here? Do you want to be part of TFC, TFC and helping this team get back on track?
0: Io non ho mai detto di voler andare via da Toronto. Non lo dirò mai perché qua sto bene, la mia famiglia sta bene, i miei figli stanno bene, siamo contenti di stare qua. Ora ti ripeto, è finita una stagione molto deludente per me ma da parte di tutta la squadra, è dispiace per la società e i tifosi che fino all'ultima partita ci hanno incitato, questo dispiace molto, però ti ripeto io sto benissimo qua, tornerò a casa in vacanza dalla famiglia per ricaricarmi e tornare qua al 100% e e recuperare il terreno perduto di quest'anno.
4: I never said that I wanted to leave. I would never say that I'm extremely happy here. My family's also happy here. It was a tough season. It was a tough season for the club and for the fans, especially for the fans who cheered us on right to the end. I'm going on vacation now. I'm going home, spend time with my family. I'm gonna get my energy, my strength back, and I'm gonna come back even stronger.
3: All right, so that is Lorenzo Insigne um, talking about, look, his desire to stay. And and to be fair to him, and to be fair to everything he said publicly, he's truly, he's never said he wanted to leave, right? That is something that we have put out there, obviously, as fans. Um, but, but, John, you asked that question, and first how much English do you think he understands? Like, I think he, I, think he, I think he understood you. I completely. think he understood if your you look question. At his, yeah. I, he still uses a translator, but I think he understood yeah. your question. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of your sense of that, his answer, you know, what were
5: your thoughts? It was about what I expected. I mean, I wasn't sort of expecting him to come out and say, yeah, I hate it here. <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> um, But, you know, either. I did want to sort of get him on the record mm. as to, you know, to see what he would say. Look, He's in a, uh, you know, he, he's in a difficult. Uh, I shouldn't say he's in a difficult. <laughs> I am yeah, going. I was going to light your your yeah. feet under coals for yeah. yeah oh yeah, so difficult. The, My the, God, club, I want that difficult situation. The, the, I'll correct mm. myself. The club is in mm. a very difficult position here. They've there you him, go. They've signed him to this, you know, cost prohibitive contract. They're tied to him long term. Uh, and moving him on, as Michael said earlier, it's it's not straightforward. You can say, oh, well, sell him back to Napoli, sell him to some club in Syria. You need a dance partner. And you need, I mean, you know, who is going to pick him up at the, those wages? No one in Italy is going to pay him $15 million uh, U.S. a year. No one. He's going to have to take a substantial pay cut. Will he want to sort of, you know, leave money on the table to go back to Italy? You know, maybe. I mean, I don't know. But uh, for me, I mean, throwing away whatever it's safe, he was taking a pay cut from 15 to six to $6 million. That's not an insignificant amount of money, even to a multimillionaire like Lorenzo Insigne. So I think it's just going to be difficult to get these, whether it's Bernadeschi or Insigne, to move them on. I, I think the other thing I'll say is this issue about, you know, no, I never said I wanted to leave. You know, yeah, fine. He's never said that publicly. But, you know, everything that, that I've been told by report or by sources is that you know him and and Fede were actively trying to push Bob Bradley out the door pretty much from day one, that they mm-hmm. were sort of working to sort of undermine his authority. Ultimately it worked. I think they have they wield a great deal of power because of their DP status. And so, you know, that's the situation that TFC is finds themselves in, is that they're essentially stuck with these guys. And unless unless they can sort of come good which is a big if considering what we saw last year. Um, I think they're going to be here for, uh, I think, you know, it might be just be more of the same uh, and we might, uh, the team might be stuck with them for the time being.
1: I think what the narrative that's trying to be sold, whether it be by the Italians or by the team is that, All of a sudden, they've become humbled because they've Mm -hmm. gone through this losing season and they've come to this realization that, oh, you know, we are part of the problem. So now, you know, here we go. We're all in now. Let's try and get this right. And in my opinion, I I don't believe you. I don't believe not not even a little tiny
2: bit. Not even not even not even like a a smidgen of a
1: smidgen of a smidgen of a decimal (laughs) point. Okay, yeah. <laughs> maybe not as far as Jeff, but yes, I I don't believe them until you know, and I think this is the way fan base the fan base feels as well, until they go out and prove it. Exactly right. I I don't. Was think that the face earned... of a man
2: that wants to be here? I mean, we just we all watched that clip. That guy looked like he wanted to be just about anywhere else. Like, I mean, at least try. Yeah. Maybe not yeah, like, on the pitch, but like at least try. Like you know he's talking about one he's saying i'm gonna go on vacation it's the last thing i want to hear from lorenzo and is how he's about to go on holiday and recharge himself like nobody cares um and and this i I just it's 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 so depressing right, i mean you know that like that that's the that's no, the it's like best a, they uh, can just,
1: i can do i have a question for for john yeah because it seems like The team is trending this way, maybe because they have no other option, maybe because there's other factors at play, but it seems like the team is trending towards keeping both designated players. Do you think Toronto FC can be a winning team with both designated players next season?
5: With both of them as designated players? Yes. I think it's difficult, Michael. I mean, we haven't seen anything from them remotely that would suggest that they can, um if they can sort of i think it really depends on largely on on the supporting cast in terms of who they bring in next year and if they can sort of restructure the roster if they can get a number nine who can kind of be on their level and, and sort of be on the same telepathy path of them if they can sort of solidify the defense um and, and and if from what from what john herdman was hinting at if they can kind of get more sort of service from from the wingback positions in those wide areas and sure, that's a that's a possibility. I'm not going to rule it out entirely, but just going based on what we've seen from them during their time in MLS, you no, know, not at all. No, I mean, ten goals and ten assists, you know, between them. You need your DPS to be impact players in this league, and they haven't come close to providing impact or value for their contracts. Not even, even their salary cap hits, for that matter. Which yeah, is, you know, modest at six hundred and fifty thousand and change. So. You know, as I said, I haven't seen anything from them that suggests that they can just sort of turn it on next year and really come good. Um, you know, the club is making a lot of bold promises about, well, they've seen the light and, you know, they've fully bought mm-hmm. in. Okay, fine. Show us then. I mean, yeah. that's, what it, that's what it really boils down to. At this point, enough talk. You have to show us.
2: No, I agree. They, they've seen the light and and Lorenzo looked like he would, you know, rather be lit on fire. Uh, at the press conference where he's supposed to get us all on board with this new light, and and Berna was like, uh, "I I have no regrets over over setting the entire culture on fire." I, I mean, this is this was the best they can do. We waited three weeks for for these hot nuggets of tasty information. They had three weeks to get their s together hey, and practice this. Lorenzo and did this say is he's going to three hundred percent, Jeff. Three hundred percent. Quick quick math. What's three hundred percent of zero? Oh, it's still zero. Oh, okay. <laughs> All well
3: right. look i, I mean hey, look okay hey, hey, the third the, all the superlatives were said i was you know i wasn't surprised with and it wasn't just lorenzo and fede but like obviously jason has touched on this oh so sean johnson touched on this just You know, Bill Manning touched on this, this idea that John Herdman in 41 days has come in and blown this incredible breath of fresh air and everybody's on board and everybody's bought in. Of course, everybody's bought in. A lot of people are fighting for their jobs. You know, a lot of people are. to keep their very nice paychecks. Um, So they're going to they're going to go and they're going to play really hard in training and stuff like that. Again, like you said, John proves in the pudding once the games start playing. That's when you're really going to start to know. Go ahead, Jeff.
2: Well, it's just it's such empty words, right? This is why I'm I'm starting to get pretty wary of, of Herman because he's a, he's very good at empty words. Like they're all their confidence is coming back. Yeah, they're not playing competitive games anymore. My confidence would come back if I if I had to go to training and eat at the commissary, as opposed to preparing for games. The, they're not the same thing. And and presenting them as if they are. Yeah, if your confidence comes back inside a losing season, that has merit. If your confidence comes back because you, you you get to, you know, order pizza again, I could give an ass and, and don't present it to me as they're the same thing, which is what's starting to happen. I don't care. And I refuse to be gaslighted. I refuse to have my, ins- my intelligence insulted by this club anymore after this season. So I'm going to call it the way I see it. De- devil made hair at this point. That was such a nothing burger. That that entire press conference was such an unbelievable nothing burger. And uh, and and well, yeah. well it wasn't because like all of them we are able to glean off what we saw. Uh we were we were able to glean our own our own conclusions off off the off body language and things like that.
1: The one thing one thing I'll disagree with you, Jeff is I think Jason Hernandez and John Herman they were pretty transparent um in in the way that they were talking like i don't know if transparency is the right word they were they were open they were pretty they, open they were they were open they broke it down in a way that i think sometimes we can't see behind the curtain but they gave you a little bit of a peek behind the curtain um mm-hmm. in in a way that helped you understand particularly you know jason hernandez when he's talking about the salary cap issues that the team is is dealing with like just so fans can and us can we can get a better understanding of kind of what they're working with. So mm. there was still some meat there, um, and I also hate to admit, man, John Herman, it, it, he got me, man. He's such a good persuader and such a good communicator that, like, all right, I'm starting to kind of buy what what you're kind of selling here. <laughs> he, he does such a good job at that, so I understand why. That's what I'm worried about. Man. He's been able to. To kind of persuade and get on board and you know it wasn't just you know john herman it was also Ozo talking about some of john herman's methods um about you know using visuals and setting goals and then as ozo kind of said what we i just said about how good of a persuader john herman is and he really makes you believe maybe yeah sure that could be a crux but at the same time it could also be maybe that's the magic that that gets this team going and and gets this team going in the right direction. I don't know, John, do you feel the same way?
5: Yeah, I I take your point, Michael. And, but as, and, and it was my colleague, Neil Davidson, who was after John Herdman said something to that effect in the, in the press conference, he said, well, I guess the point is now you guys have to show us, right? Like it's it's one thing to say that. And it's one thing to sort of say, you're going to go out and do this and that the, you know, things have changed and, you know, everyone's on board, but you know, the end of the day, you have to sort of the proof is in the pudding. So, yeah, you know, I am I'm not going to sort of throw them under the tape or under the bus for anything they said in terms of things turning around. What I would say is that it's far too early to sort of suggest that that's even coming close to happening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll reserve judgment until next year, Uh, because that's ultimately is what we're talking about. Right. I mean, what are we talking about now about some sort of press conference in November? Uh, it doesn't no. matter like it's it matters when, you know, the season kicks off and whether they can st- sustain that. That is ultimately going to be really <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're sickos. 100%. We're sickos yeah, yeah. for doing yeah, an I hour suppose. plus yeah, press con-
1: or show
3: on a press conference. Hey, you know what? The TFC <laughs> TFC light needs something. They need some kind of glimmer of hope, some kind of ray of sunshine, mm. something.
4: Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I'm know
3: if people are here to. Say.
2: No, I'm here to light it all light on fire and burn light it all it down. on fire. I'm just, um, I'm just, I'm just worried that we need to see results on the pitch, and we hired people that are really good at talking, uh, and I want, I want, I want to see it expressed on the pitch, not expressed in empty words. You know, I will w- say these this, words are Jeff, getting emptier by the second.
3: Fair. I will say this. We kind of said this when he took over the women's team. And look what he did with the women's team. Absolutely, kind of said the same thing when he took over the men's team. And look what he did there. So I, one hundred percent, I have my my skepticism shades are all the way up for for sure. But Mm -hmm. I will. It is hard for me to bet against John Herdman because he has delivered twice. uh, You know, in in a context that
1: we all understand. So yeah, and again, we'll see it. The other thing, Mike, is there's so much riding on this position for John Herman that I really feel like he's gonna do everything in his power to make sure that not only does the team do well, but like he, he doesn't look bad himself. His I mean his career trajectory, a lot of it I think is is riding on this appointment here at Toronto with the resources that are deployed and mm-hmm. this being his first club level job. There's a lot right at stake for John Herman. So I think he's a guy with high standards and he's going to do everything in his power to ensure that those standards are reached, even if it doesn't align with Bill Manning, even if it doesn't align with Jason Hernandez. I think Herman's a person who's not going to be afraid to, to speak out if something's not right.
5: What, what I'll and, uh, and my, mm, go ahead. Go ahead, John. So, sorry, Michael, Michael raises an interesting point. And what I wanted to add uh, to that is that um, you're, you're right, Michael, at the same time, he's left at disadvantaged disadvantageous times for both the men's and the women's teams. Right. Mm-hmm. I know. I appreciate it. it was after five years of service or whatever. So absolutely. But, you know, he moved on to the men's team, the men's team. He left the women's team at really at a bad time for them because it was whatever it was. I think the was one Couple of the, out from Brazil, from yeah, it was mm-hmm. a Brazil or, or yeah. I can't remember what it was, but the World Cup was coming, or Olympics yeah. World Cup was coming up. I oh, know
3: it was the World Cup, sorry. It was, it was the run-up to the 2019 World Cup, yeah. Yeah, France.
5: Mm. Men's team leaving them at a time where, um, you know, there's a massive labor strife. There's the whole situation <laughs> with the CSA. So he is someone who moves on when he finds that the grass is greener. Yep. On the side of the hill. I can't help but wonder, especially if things go rough at TFC, and just considering the way he sort of, you know, he was the one to a large extent navigated this this move from from the men's national team to TFC, reaching out to, to Bill Manning indirectly. I just can't help but wonder if the going gets tough, will he sort of um, start looking for exit options? Do you know what I mean? Yep. Um, yeah. I, don't, yep. I don't think it's terribly unreasonable to, to answer those questions, to ask those questions. But I think you're quite right, Michael. He does have a lot at stake here in terms of his own personal sort of reputation, right? So it's, it's an interesting dichotomy so to speak to see how this plays Definitely.
3: out yeah. yeah and last thing uh, on the conference where we get into the burning question here and, and sort of wrap up the show uh john we didn't clip it but i wanted to ask you about your question to bill manning specifically about you know kind of selling himself as to why he should still be the president of toronto fc i i know you wanted to elicit that reaction out of him in sort of talk to him about that um based on sort of fan reaction But overall, what did what sense did you get from Bill? Because it it felt like a lot of him being like, well, I've learned from other sports teams and I've kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. talking more about the business, which is, of course, part of his portfolio and a main part of his portfolio um, at TFC. And and you talked a little bit earlier about, you know, him referencing uh, renewal ticket numbers and things like that. That's my world. I live in that world. um, So I understand it. Um, But what did you get from from Bill in terms of his answer to your question about, you know, Why he still thinks he should be president of TFC?
5: Very little, if I'm being perfectly honest. Uh, It's a question that I've asked of him before. Um, I can remember, I think it was when, well, it would have been when Bob Bradley uh, was let go and they made the change to Jason Hernandez. And I I think I asked him two, essentially two questions that way about, you know, why should you be, so make the case for yourself? Why should you be president? And I think the follow up was, can you understand why there's so much frustration out there amongst the fan base as to why, you know, people want to change? Um, I asked it a little bit differently this time around, um, and and I should say when he's answered that in the past, it's always been, well, I'm I have experience, I've been a winner. I mean, when I was at uh, Real Salt Lake, you know, you look at my first sort of few years here, uh, we had great success, and he's always sort of leaned on that sort of track record that he's had. Um, he didn't do that so much this time. It was more about, uh, well, you know, I've learned, I've I, you know, I'm a student of sports. I can you know learn from other industries and everything. I, I mean I don't know I mean it's probably a question better asked of a fan of a TFC fan Michael but if I heard that response I don't think that would inspire me with a whole hell of a lot of confidence in terms of you know why he should stay on because I do think there is a small but pretty vocal minority of of people who think that they should move on from that the club should move on from <laughs> from, from Bill Manning uh, I don't think that's going to happen I just want to go on the record I think just the club has. He's got, what, another year tied to his deal? The fact that he's the Argos president, I think, complicates matters things a great mm-hmm. deal. So um, for all those people with pitchforks banging for his blood, I think you're going to be disappointed. I don't think he's going anywhere, unless he sort of steps down and gets another opportunity. But mm-hmm. again, I, if I'm a fan and I was listening to his response to my question, I don't know that I would be all that thrilled with what I heard, because it just seemed a lot of, I don't know, nonsense. Obfuscation. Nonsense. Much, much, it. Yeah, much, squirrel. Score that
3: yeah, yeah mm-hmm. look, I, I I agree. Like I, you know, I I don't know. Again, it's also part of it is like, what is else is he going to say to that big sure, question? You cool. could you could look at it that way, but I also maybe don't
2: tell us about season ticket numbers and give us an Excel spreadsheet on well, merge sales. You know? He
3: he was asked by Neil, but like I mean, I you know, I think. Look, I I think he's had a rough couple of years, and oh, you know there has been reporting done by yourself and by others talking about you know people within the organization not always happy that he's had a lot of the decision making powers over certain signings and things like that um again i guess this is a wait and see scenario again we are talking about a press conference in november and the games get played starting in april but like you know or late march but I think this is a, a as much as this is a critical time for John Herdman, I think it's just a critical time for John Herdman. I'm uh, sorry for um, Bill <laughs> um yeah, I know got that one the wrong way. Um, but you know what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. you know, from the sense that he, he's now on what coach three, four, really, if you if you want to count the interims, right? Three. Like five, um, five. five, five, yeah. five. Right, and and I mean, I mean, you can sir, say Greg Vanny to a certain extent, but he didn't really bring Vanny in; that wasn't his necessarily hire. But um, you know, but yeah, he's on like coach five. Not a lot of presidents in football clubs around the world, let alone in MLS, get five coaches. Um, yeah. and from what DP
1: is he on? He will be four on,
3: zillion. Well, yeah, if you're thinking it's it's Soteldo, uh, uh,
5: so you're yeah, four you're million. on like DP four or five. And his, what, third GM? Second GM? Yep. I mean, mm-hmm. so it's it has to be said, and I don't want to sound like I'm picking on Bill, but, you know, when you look at the last major, several major decisions that he's made, uh, they haven't gone swimmingly well. <laughs> well. There was the appointment of um uh Ali Curtis, who, you know, hired Chris Armis, whether it was bringing in Bob Bradley, and I think Bob probably deserved a little bit more time. I know that's an opinion that a lot of people don't share, but... Uh, I do think he could have got a bit more time, but I mean the big one, obviously bringing in the Italians, because that was largely driven by Bill and to sort of overspend to that extent on you know players who it doesn't seem like they did a great deal of of research on it and due diligence. I think that's you know, that could be the one that really sort of blows up in his face in the long term. Yep.
1: Fair enough. Yeah, Absolutely. Fair enough. Enough. Yeah, I, don't, I don't have much to add. Fair mm-hmm. enough. All right,
5: guys,
3: uh, let's let's wrap this thing up. It's, it's running a bit long, but I think there was a lot to say there. Um, let's bring and in we
2: a... we had to push our over under. So you're going to have to suffer yeah. through that special that special opening uh, again. Um, yeah. Let's do it. Here comes the burning questions. Thank you.
3: All right, the burning question presented by Nextdoor. Nextdoor is the official community app of Toronto FC. It's also where you connect with the people and local businesses in your neighborhood. Download Nextdoor to find the soccer fans in your neighborhood, like on the Toronto FC fan community. We've been posting there, interacting with people. Uh, For those who've already joined, thank you so much uh, for doing that. You can uh, download Nextdoor at the App Store or on nextdoor.ca and join the group. Um, And we posted there. And of course, we posted on our Twitter feed. I will never call it X. um, (laughs) Are you buying what TFC are selling after the end of season press conference? And a lot of you, it's no. um, But there are some interesting answers. So I will read out a few here. So Chris just coming in. Nope, not buying it. A GM with no experience. I think, John, you spoke to that a little bit. Maybe not GM experience, but a lot of experience within the league. Mm-hmm. A head coach with no club experience. Two overpaid DPs that want out and a president who gets every decision wrong. The club is rotten. And a partridge
2: And okay. a pear tree.
3: Hey, it's that time of year. <laughs> uh, yeah. Greg uh, writes in, I'm willing to accept that they, no change is needed. I'm willing to accept that attitudes have improved but TFC have been mentally fragile for last couple of years Mm and they don't get off to a decent start next year. It may fail. Time will tell. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then John just here at the end. says, talk is cheap. And I'll believe uh, we've turned the corner when I see it, but the setup of having a technical director, a general manager and a head coach all working together using very modern analytics seems more congruent with modern successful MLS teams than anything we've had in the past five since
2: Aaron winter. Since our inventor, I like how you, yeah. I like how you corrected that, that, that quote. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Starting to feel Um, in 2012 over here. Yeah. But I think, I think
3: the overall, you know, in, in just even going through some of the comments here tonight is we talked about the frustration. We all know it's there. I think now the question is what is the path forward and how does that, are you confident in the people that are going to be making those decisions in the path forward? And yes, a press conference in November isn't going to answer every single question, but it does give fans an insight and a light into where this club is going. And I feel like in some ways, there is still a lot of apprehension out there about where this club goes in 2024 and beyond, you know, maybe some hope in sort of the, the, the triangle of technical director, GM and head coach, but generally speaking right now, there's a lot of i'm not sure i'm buying where this club is sort of trying to get to in 2024 i don't know if you guys feel the same way but that's sort of the vibe and the sentiment i'm getting back
5: yeah i I think you're quite right michael and it's not to to belabor the point because i brought it up before during this sort of show but it's it's very much at a case of okay yeah show us then that's Mm -hmm. really what it's come down to i mean i think just people are sort of frustrated with sort of all the talk and you know it's been three dismal seasons let's not sort of sugarcoat it (laughs) these have been three really bad years and take it from someone who's covered the team since day one and who can remember 2012 and how you know nightmarish that was I can tell you this season was worse so um this is you know that is it is a long way back for the club like let's not sort of sort of downplay that so there is work to do. And, you know, it's great that they're sort of full of optimism, but at the end of the day, uh, they have to go out and prove themselves. And as I stated yep. earlier, just with their contractual sort of situation, it's a heavy lift it's a heavy lift to get it done in one transfer window, let alone two. So I'll be, I'll be really interested to see. I'm. It's not, I'm not sort of saying that people should give up hope, just that, you know, be reasonable with your <laughs> expectations is what I would say.
1: John let let me ask you do you think the club is selling that they're going to be a competitive team next year do you think that's the message that they were they were portraying or do you getting that that feeling whatsoever that they thought they they could be competitive next season
5: I I didn't get that I didn't myself personally Michael I didn't get that from that sort of conference call or for that from that press conference I think it was just a matter of let's focus on sort of restructuring things let's get let's sort of building a te- a clear team identity, a distinct style of play, and, you know, that this is going to be sort of a long process. There was nothing in terms of, not that they were going to come out and sort of guarantee that they were going to make the playoffs or anything like that, but there wasn't anything remotely, you know, said about well, we're going to be competitive again, as far as mm-hmm. I can remember. Um, so I didn't get that feeling. I think that there is a sense of they're, they're under-promising to a certain extent, that they're just going to focus on, on – and they have to get things right on the pitch, and I think that's—I guess that would be the major takeaway that I took from from hearing Bill and John and Jason speak on last Friday. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: and yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's interesting because I—I yeah, I don't know, I don't—I couldn't really tell if they're selling that, if they're selling that they're going to be rebuilding. I couldn't really mm. get a sense of what a successful they, press conference where they believe they're going to be next season, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's mm-hmm. a good thing, as John said, like maybe they have to undersell because. Um, The reality is, it could it could take a long time for this team to turn itself around,
5: right? I mean, you asked, you know, where they, you know, do they know where they're going to be next year? I don't think they know. Like, I I just Mm. think there's just too many questions that they can't reasonably or possibly answer that at this point. So, I think that's why they sort of didn't go that route in terms of yes, this is who we are, this is what we're going to do, this is what you can expect. No one in their position could reasonably, with a straight face, guarantee all those things. Yeah, is
1: -hmm. there a world out there? I'll ask this to to anyone, any of you guys. Is there a world out there where you see Toronto FC being competitive next season? Do you think that that is actually attainable? um, Depending on some of the the moves that they make this off season,
3: I think it's possible. It's MLS,
1: you know, like the yeah, it's the only takeaway. It's MLS, so things happen. Still no. Yeah. So give me like give me like a percentage. Like what's oh. like a percentage of chance that you think that Toronto C could be competitive next season? Because I think heading into, I'm just looking at, are we last all going to make the same face? <laughs> I think heading into last off season, I think the percentage probably would have been, and this is just me speaking uh, for myself. I would have said it would have been like an 80, 90% chance that they were going easily. To be have you seen our over-unders?
2: Oh my God. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, that's also because of the core that they had in place. They got back Richie Lorea, the, the Italians mm-hmm. here for the full off season. They had such a good stint and when they were on the field, and then it it went wrong. Um now I, I feel like it's it's the off op- I feel like it's like a twenty percent chance
2: that we're gonna win MLS Cup. We're gonna win. We're gonna win the quadruple <laughs> yeah.
1: this time. Their over, yep, yep. overunders are any indication of what we know. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you
4: yeah, mean the yeah. our overend
3: version of the MLS Cup that uh, they sell at MLS Cup Finals. Yeah, we could win that. Maybe. No, no. I mean uh, the I mean
2: I the mean. Philip Schultz Trophy. Man, we're winning. Yeah. We're winning our second star. This, this yeah, year. I think I think I'm, you, I, you. I'm
3: with you, Mike. I, I think you're like in the twenty percent range, and that's like zero
2: point zero zero twenty percent range.
3: Yeah, but, uh, I I think it's optimistic. 20% range. But again, it's again, this is MLS. This is like I was about to say, like this is a league where championship teams can be stripped apart really quickly because of the way salary caps and rules work, you know. Not in uh, Toronto. Well, yeah, well, FC Cincinnati (laughs) could win a shield, maybe even win a double this year and then completely have to strip their team. Right. It's possible. But I mean, a lot of things would have to go right in the offseason like a lot of things would have to go right. And I think you, I, I don't know to answer your question earlier, you were asking John, but I don't know if you can win with both DPs uh, on the field. Um, especially if you're going to a three, ooh, five, ooh, right? can where I go? do they play? Where do they, <laughs> like, where do they play? Right? Like, I, I guess the question is, does one play as a striker? Or you
1: can play does three, one three play four, three. Like it's not, it's yeah. not dead set three, five, two, right? It no, could be enough. a three, four, three. So you're still playing with wingbacks and wingers. I think we've seen Canada do that in the past as well. Mm-hmm. So it is it is a possibility they still play wing, but yeah, man, this is a this is an off season, you're right, there's gonna be so many important decisions that are gonna have to be made that could define the not just next season, but overall trajectory of the next few seasons of this club. It is. absolutely. I mean, it's so cliche. We see this every year, but this is such an important offseason for the club. Most <laughs> dramatic offseason ever. Trying to win Most the offseason
3: again, you know? We're the yeah, 20, yeah, what, yeah. 2015, 16, 17, uh, 2022 20, offseason
2: champions. You know, put that on a Oh, picture. yeah. Meme club, 100%. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, that that presser
1: was just so I, I hated it. I, I that that's all I'm going to say. I there was well, you know what the thing is, Jeff? There was mm-hmm. no winning. They couldn't have done anything aside from maybe Bill Manning stepping down that would have made the fan base happy.
2: So then get it over with. Don't don't wait 3 weeks. I agree. I, you I know what I mean.
1: Hardly agree with you. Get it over
2: with. Finish finish it like like give it the respect that that you think it deserves that was communicated loud and clear in this 3 week delay. And just get like get, treat it treat it the way that you want to treat it and don't sugarcoat it. There were because teams that were sophisticated.
1: sophisticated. Jeff, there are teams that were in the playoffs <laughs> that did their end of season press conferences before <laughs> Toronto <laughs> FC did yeah. their end of season well, press conferences. Yeah, yeah. Press conference. I was about to say. I was <laughs> like, about to say. Wait,
3: you still have a. You're still playing. You're you? <laughs> still playing.
2: Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. I know. Uh, how can it, yeah. how can it fill you with any kind of confidence? It had the complete opposite
1: effect. John Herman
2: and the fact that. John, the er, fact
1: that that w- had been
2: telling me that that every that <laughs> people me. are confident because they're they're in their pajamas twenty four seven. I I get my confidence back when I when I have pajama jammy jam. Um, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of pajamas, yeah. uh, I'd like to get those on. So let's end the show. That uh, was my <laughs> that was my segue. I've got a i have got a in quiche, any show. I I got it. a quiche burning. Yeah. Yep, yep.
3: Well, thank you everybody right. for tuning into another Toronto Till I die episode. Um, we see you live in the co- show comments. Thank you for just contributing to that community. That's that's fun. I love uh, going through those. Um, you know, if you're listening on podcast version, uh, the reviews that have been coming in have been great. Thank you so much for doing those. Keep on doing those. Uh, again, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, reviews are great. Please leave one. If you're listening on Spotify, uh, drop the five stars for us. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube or even if you're watching this on the on YouTube after the fact give us a like subscribe to the channel it really does help uh John, thank you so much uh, for your time as always you're fantastic um TFC republic if you're not subscribed to it what are you really doing yeah what's um, your problem um, I think yeah. you
5: you still do have uh, 50 percent do you still have the special going on right
3: now for subscriptions?
5: Yeah, so like, yeah, I mean, the, the subscribers can get a ten percent discount, uh, you know, off the off the full year and the monthly. So, yeah, just hit me up, go on to the site, and take advantage.
3: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, I sound somewhat smarter because Mike Newell's said, doing a Groupon deal right now, like fifty hey, percent off. Look. Let's go. Let's hey, look. go. Hey. We yeah, have yeah. three reporters at an end of season press conference. The ones that go need
1: support. So support him. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will, I likely won't be doing TFC reporting next season. So John is even more important mm-hmm. moving forward. So I think you just broke some news to John there, Mike. Uh, yeah. I think I broke some you made news. Made him to cry. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. To be honest, I wasn't really doing TFC reporting for the past couple of months. So yeah. And well, that's a whole other podcast. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll save yeah. it for next time. <laughs> for Jeffrey P. I have my finger over thing.
3: the damn. Yeah. I know, I'm trying to get there. For Mike, for Jeffrey P. Nesker, for Michael Singh, and for John Molinaro, I'm Mike Newell. We'll see you next time. Cheers, everybody.
0: And wait!
1: And wait! <laughs> Let's all go
2: buy some lottery tickets. <laughs>
3: Oh man, we were such spring oh, children at man. the time, right? My oh, man, we had so much hope, oh. so much hope, just dashed. Oh my, God. just dashed. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. So, Ooh, I mean, what definitely. more? Can, I, what more can we say? I don't. even, I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Like we've said a lot. Yeah.
1: I don't really know what else to say. <laughs> there is nothing else to
3: say. Let's just move on, man. <laughs>